All right. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Clink. What do you got? What do you got there? Uh, I'm drinking uh, a Cabernet. Uh, I think it's a no. I'm sorry. It's a red blend. Oh, okay. This is my go-to. It mainly because it's five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you got I some. I always think of that five buck chuck or whatever. I always think of that great uh, April April line from uh, Parks and Rec where they go to the they go to the winery. And they're like, uh, if you pay more than $5 for a bottle of wine, you're an idiot. It all tastes the same. <laughs> when, when she tries out to be a sommelier or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good-ass show. How you been, man? Doing all right. Uh, well, I guess we should. Let's welcome back oh, our listeners. Yeah, it's been a minute. We haven't recorded in a hot minute. And I, we, and I apologize to listeners and fans. They're like, you should be more regular. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> To Sippin' Mimos, a irregular, often monthly podcast that uh, featuring me, Elliot, and Jake. Say, say hi, Jake. You're right. <laughs> As Elliot said, welcome back to Sippin' Mimos, um, <laughs> the internet's premier libation-based podcast, sometimes mimosa-based podcast, where Elliot and I uh, take two albums um, and uh, two albums from the 90s rock and electronica genre although sometimes mm-hmm. we have been known to stray from those mm-hmm. and um, talk about them at length uh, oftentimes uh with plenty of jokes uh tossed yeah. in the mix elliot yes. how have you been i've been all right my man uh, i've been real busy busy um dancing with my child uh oh spoiler alert like uh, i put some richie hot on for her to see how she would react and we danced around the living room and it was i don't know probably the best moment of my life uh <laughs> <laughs> i've been covering these bike races i've been making like like highlight reels and videos for this bike race called the volta espana volta a espana volta a espana <laughs> so it's like a bike bike race in spain and uh, there's like a hundred or something, 150 bros that just ride bikes in this little shit named <laughs> Remco Evanapool is just like crushing the whole thing. And they've all got silly names. And like the big, the veteran who's like won this race like three years in a row is named Primoz Roglic. And he wiped out yesterday and like was concussed, I think. And like it got up and like didn't even know where he was. And he's out of the race. So that now this little shit is going to win the whole thing. And, uh, and I, I love hate him because he's very handsome. And I just want him to have a problem in his life to be a f- well-rounded person. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, uh, this is a very, um, so are, are we pro Remco on this podcast or? I don't know. I don't even know how I feel. Uh, Remco Evanapool, he's a 20, 20, 22 year old, like he just like he could be a denim model, but he uh, 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 happens to be really good at riding a bicycle. <sighs> he's, a, he's a very very handsome gentleman. Yeah, he's really good looking. So I I like oh I, I like love hate him. I I I love to hate him, and I hate that I love him. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm very conflicted about Remco with his ridiculous name. But he's like a fucking beast on a, on a bike. Just, just kind of crushing it. It's pretty bad. Uh, Belgium? Belgium, yeah. He's a Belgian kid on a, on, a, on a motorcycle. He's a Belgian sociopath with two wheels. Um, that's what it is. <laughs> Worst kind, if you ask me. In all, all these, yeah, in all these interviews, he's just like so nonchalant about being awesome. He's like, yeah, I guess I'm pretty good. I'm winning, aren't I? Like stuff like that. I'm like, oh, but he, he did some, oh. he, he pulled, he pulled some shady shit yesterday. Like there's this weird three kilometer rule. This is so boring. <laughs> uh, there's like this weird three kilometer rule. Like if you have a flat tire or a mechanical, like your chain breaks on your bike, they'll just count your time alongside the guy you were next to, hmm. which, which seems weird. Like, isn't that kind of part of it? If you're, if your bike breaks and like, I asked the dude I'm, I'm cutting videos for him. Like, do they inspect the bike? Like, did he fake it? And the guy's like, they don't inspect the bike. And he absolutely faked it. Like to just, to just like, he just bailed on the race and ugh, I don't know. Shady. Anyways, <laughs> he, he made a, I found a pizza hut commercial that he did. <laughs> like he's already famous and like, Oh, he's, I don't know. He's just rich and handsome and his girlfriend's hot as shit. I don't know. I hate it. <laughs> Welcome back to the uh, talking, talking Remco ah. with the Rembros. <laughs> Sipping Remcos. Sipping Remcos. <laughs> kind of name is Remco. Anyways, I'm Elliot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? How about you, man? What have you been up to? What have you been working on? What have you been listening to or, 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 or eating or viewing these days? Oh, man, that's my... I normally get to ask you that one. Um, Beat you to I, it. I've been well. Um, um, I've been really. Uh, I feel like getting a lot of uh, a lot of like blind spots in, in as far as like movies I haven't seen that I probably should have seen at this point. Knocked out. Uh, okay. I think we've talked about we've talked about Letterbox before on mm-hmm. on, on the show. It's like my favorite thing. Um, because I really, <laughs> turns out I really like, and it's not anything new. Uh, I've always really enjoyed keeping track of the things that I've, uh, done, uh, either, e- either journaling or keeping an Excel file of, of, of neat things. Uh, I've really always enjoyed that. And so Letterboxd allows me to do that with, with movies. Mm-hmm. So I've been Catching some cool ones lately. I finally saw The Fly uh, with uh, Goldblum and Gina Davis. Goldblum, okay. Have you ever seen uh, this one? Cronenberg? Yes. The, yeah. So it's like body I horror. Think, oh, man. So, and, and he's come up on, our, on, on the show before. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think I was, I think I said, I don't think I've seen a David Cronenberg movie. I now 100% know I haven't because I've never experienced anything like that before. Ooh, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, the, the Goldblum fly because I can't handle the body horse stuff. I've seen the OG one with like Vincent Price. Uh, um, and like when, when, when they smash his head in the, in the thing and then like there's a little fly thing. I'm like, help me, help me, which is also creepy as shit. Um, but I, I can't do the oh my god my skin's falling off stuff. It, it freaks the hell out of me. <laughs> I can't do it. It's really um, 
it, it's very jarring. It was like a very, and of course, like Jeff Goldblum is amazing in it. And so is Gina sure. Davis, but you know, major duh, because they're Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis and awesome and everything. Um, but I, I noticed that and, and the makeup is incredible. Um, and, but I did notice some things that, you know, I may have missed on the, if I were to have like watched it um, as like a younger guy, um, there was like, I definitely, and I could just be totally misreading, but I, I felt there were a lot of um, themes of, um, of um, uh, like a, a woman's right to choose in the movie. Um, definitely. Oh, interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. And very thought provoking. Um, oh, is there like a really fucked up dream sequence when she gives birth to a maggot or something like that? Yes. Uh, see, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just absorbed that through cultural osmosis, but like, yeah. no thanks. Yeah. It, it, it's a scene where, you know, cause so she does become pregnant with Jeff Goldblum the titular flies baby and you know out of fear that you know the baby would turn would grow into a, a monster a fly you know she wants to you know uh do as every woman's choice you know she wants to terminate it you know and uh jeff goldblum's like don't do it don't do it it's the only part of me that that could that could live don't do it and it's like but I don't oh. want it, you know? And it's a lot of like oh. really heavy themes like that. That's and intense. I, yeah. And it was, it was like really just, and I always thought like Cronenberg, you know, just cause from cultural osmosis, like that kind of like, oh, it's, it's body horror stuff. But it was like really um, like provocative and really, really, I, I felt really well, really well done. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I probably won't watch it again just because it is, it is nasty town, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. What made you pop that one on cool. out of nowhere? Um, I'd never seen it. Uh, and it's kind of, I, I think it's kind of like an iconic movie of like the eight, sci-fi eighties. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd never seen it. And I know Cronenberg's just, he's a, one of those legendary directors. And like I said, I, I hadn't seen any of his work and I thought, Oh, this would be a cool one. It's kind of like, you know, Halloween's, you know, a couple months, well, next month. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give this, I'll give this a try. And it was super gross, but uh, a pretty good watch. <laughs> oh, far out. Did you see Nope? I haven't seen Nope yet. So you're a little behind on the theatrical releases. Yeah, I, I'm I'm behind on theatrical. Last last thing I saw was Thor in the theaters. Last episode, we last recorded, we talked about getting excited for it. What did you think of Love and Thunder, man? Oh, I I had a I had a wonderful time with it, dude. Me too. It, it, people, it's like I don't know how these review thing review sites work anymore, but like people are panning on it and shitting on it. Um, I don't know why. It's like, it's just like and this is like weird anti woke culture thing they're like there's a girl in it boo like what come on uh i i, I loved it i went with a, uh, a a squad of friends um one of my friends uh uh that i saw it with has children and i i have a daughter and by the end of the movie we were losing our minds like just just 
tears, just bawling. And my, my dumb, <laughs> dumb bro friends who don't have kids were like, I guess it was okay. I'm like, you don't feel this, <laughs> you know, love, <laughs> love and thunder. Like, oh my God, I was losing my mind. Like, like, the, yeah, yeah, they're, um, the, the scene where like, I won't spoil anything, but the scene where they start playing like the guitar solo breakdown to Guns N' Roses, November Rain. And yeah, like, with, all that, with all the kids. Oh, so, well, yeah, and they're we can, like, they can spoil it. Yeah, it's going to be on Disney tomorrow, September yeah. 8th, so catch it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when the kids are like all fighting and it's like in slow motion and it's like, you're listening to like Slash, just shred and it's all like, you know, I don't know, slow motion. And I just thought it was so, I just thought it was great. And then, you know, when, spoiler you know, Jane comes back, even though Jane comes back knowing that turning into Hulk, uh, sorry, Thor would, you yeah. know, essentially, essentially kill her. She, come back, she comes back to see. Yeah. Her. Oh my God. But she shows up at the end and he's like, oh, he knows what it means. And she does too. And then, and then with Christian Bale, who was great. Chills thinking about it. Christian Bale was great as Gore. It's Gore versus Thor, and no one mentions that. <laughs> but uh, and then, like when when Jane's like, "Why would you wish for all gods to be dead? Wish for your daughter to come back." He's like, "But I'm dying. She'll be alone." And they're like, "No, she won't." My friend Gina turns to me, and she's like, "Are they gonna?" I'm like, "Yes, they're gonna adopt this kid." And we're just losing it. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie. I don't know. It's so good. Uh, love and thunder. That's oh, beautiful. Yeah, I, they, 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 they told I us. Thought... In, they, they told us in the trailers. The tra- the song in the trailers is "Sweet Child of Mine." It was right there in front of us. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I get so excited. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought the, the Guardians bit at the beginning was really was really great. Um, oh, uh huh, yeah. Um, the Russell Crowe is, is Zeus and Brett Goldstein but, is Hercules. That's yeah. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. <laughs> from from Ted Lasso. Speaking of Marvel, Roy Kent. Roy Kent yeah. Speaking of Marvel, I, I have to address that i've been cheating on jake and (laughs) (laughs) and and i launched a i launched another podcast on the sipping memos network with with jake's permission (laughs) uh and it's called marvelously late and mead and i i uh sherpa my two newbie uh marvel fan friends who have never seen any marvel movies before through the entire infinity saga and it's it's a good time when we get way into it i'm just plugging that up at the front of the show what um what what could listeners look forward to um from listening to an episode of marvelously late lots of fights about narrative and how stories work (laughs) (laughs) uh um lots of uh, very introspective analysis analyses (laughs) <laughs> of like um <clears throat> we got we got like recently got i was just listening we got way into um how vision is portrayed and how like androids are portrayed in media as kind of gay like oh if you're a robot then you're kind of like s- like calm and sensitive and like 
non-emotional and like it's kind of portrayed it like like data from star trek and and um vision from the mcu like as kind of like fey a little a little nonplussed a little uh like ignorant of the world around you and but like how that's portrayed by um by actors as kind of um like asexual sure but if anything kind of leaning it's always portrayed as a uh, by a male in an odd way i don't know it was really curious it was a good i shouldn't be talking about it because my buddy virgil like went off on it but um yeah, so we're, we're, we're like in granular detail breaking down all these dumb movies that I love so much. That's cool, man. And where 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 can we find Marvelously Late? Uh, you can find it anywhere podcasts are, same as Sipping Mimos. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to checking that out. I, uh, Virgil and who's who's the other host? Uh, um, it is uh, my friends Virgil and Fiona and myself. Virgil and Fiona, I'm excited because it's, I'm at this point, I mean, I'm 14 years out of when I first saw like Iron Man, you know, yeah, you know, and that time only <laughs> is only more and more removed. And uh, so I'm looking forward to going and, and reliving it through, through their, through their eyes and their thoughts. That's exciting. You know what's messed up is like they were watching it like movie by movie and while we it's, it's all re- recorded we did it like over quarantine essentially and then um but i didn't rewatch a single flick i just had them all memorized <laughs> and at a certain point i'm like oh guys maybe i should tell you this i'm not rewatching any of these i just know all this and they're like you're a fucking nerd <laughs> like, yeah. you had them in the bank <laughs> yeah i just had them banked up what's the mar- what's the mc movie you've seen the least because I've seen them all like multiple times, of course, over the years. The least? Oh, that's a good yeah. question. That's a good question. Um, so the Captain Iron Man, that trilogy, I've seen those, you know, multiple times. I haven't seen Winter Soldier over and over again as much as the rest. Oh, uh, cri- cri- criminally, I know. It's like one of the best ones, I think, right? Um, I've seen Black Panther a lot too. Mm-hmm. A sight for Wakanda forever, dude. Oh my god, that trailer, Namor! Namor! Oh, it looks like it looks like they're doing like he's almost like uh, I could totally be misreading, but he's almost like a like a like Aztec almost figure. Uh, I'm very curious about that. Um, yeah. Namor's one of those characters that he popped up. I never read like a Namor series. I don't even know if there is one, but he's he popped up constantly in in my comic reading experience as a young guy. And so that that dude with his like little green trunks has like lived rent free in my head for like twenty five years. So <laughs> it's a look. It's he's got, you know he's got he's got the wings on his feet, dude. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. And he's and he's always like. He's a good guy, but he's a jerk, and he's also a bad guy. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I'm curious. I'm excited. Like, he was like one of like the first created by like Stanley, wasn't he? Like, or maybe even pre Stanley. Was he? Does he predate Aquaman? So Namor debuted in 1939. 39. Damn. He's a leaf. 
And let's see, Aquaman, 1941. Oh, Marvel on the jump. But I'm wondering if, because I know Namor's like the, he's the, is he the Prince of Atlantis or that's Aquaman, right? Or I think they're both a little too similar. You know, like they're both like Kings of Atlantis or whatever. Uh, But I think, do they call it something else in the MCU? I'm not sure. It might not be Atlantis. It might be something else. Or they might change it for this flick because they don't want to be too Aquaman-y. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Um, so it's going to – the actor's name is – his name is Tenoch Huerta. And lots of kids. Lots of kids in the MCU these days. It's as if they're yeah, gearing I, uh, up for something. Is it Young Avengers? It's going to be Young Avengers, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I um, Did you watch any of uh, Miss Marvel? I didn't. I heard it was we, cute. We watched the first episode, and it was, it was solid. Um, but, um, but that was it. I, 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 I regret to inform that I could not get into Moon Knight. Oh, wait, really? We didn't talk about this? You didn't like it? Or you didn't, you couldn't even finish I, it? Like, I watched like the first two episodes. I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I, and I, I love Oscar Isaac and you know, I love Ethan Hawke and like the character design is super cool. But man, mm-hmm. I just, I, I could not get into it. That's fine. Some of these shows are a slog, man. Like, and, and it, they're all just like clearly setting up, oh, this is a, this is the second version of this character. Like, uh, or whatever, like uh, w- WandaVision was very interesting, but I feel if, I'm not going to rewatch WandaVision. I get the idea. And then it was interesting because every episode was so different than the last. Yeah. And then, and like, come on, uh, the winter soldier Falcon and, and Falcon. It was kind of boring. Moon. Knight got a little boring. I think Hawkeye was my favorite of the bunch. Really? Oh man. I enjoyed okay. I enjoyed the shit out of it because I love Homegirl. I love Haley Steinfeld. Oh man, I I I can see revisiting Hawkeye every Christmas. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I already told my fiance. I'm like, she was like, do I do I need to watch Hawkeye? And I was like, there's some cool stuff in there for sure, but let's wait till Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's that's adorable. Have you seen She Hulk? Oh. It's currently currently airing. Love She-Hulk. Yeah, me, me too. I saw the first two episodes, and I'm like, "This is hilarious!" And I think I am in love with Tatiana Maslany. She's yep. so cute She's and whip smart, and like one of the best actors out there. Frankly, I, I need to watch uh, Orphan Black. Is it Orphan Black that she's in? Oh, Where she plays like I, she she plays like multiples of herself and stuff. Oh. That's that's you know talking about Blindside earlier or Blindspot. Oh. Um, that's what that's one show that I, I've heard so much about, but I've never never checked it out. Are you are you a Game of Thrones guy? You're watching this dumb prequel thing? We watched the first episode and it was it was all right. It was you know, like um, but we haven't we haven't watched any any more of it. But how about how about you? You haven't you, you haven't cracked the Game of Thrones yet, right? I like watched the first season way back in the day. I'm like, this is a lot of incestual rape. I'm not too into this. So I stopped watching it. And then everyone else watched the shit out of it. And I'm like, 
I'm like, as a culture, everyone was watching it. I'm like, guys, I saw Lost. This is not going to end well. And then, and of course, everyone got super mad at the finale or whatever. I'm like, all right, told you so. And then uh, maybe I'll tear through it someday. But uh, um, I will, however, give a spin to that Lord of the Rings show. That's wonderful. You've seen it? Uh-huh. Is the first episode out? Uh, the first two dropped. Ooh, is it awesome? It's, it's, quite, it's, it's visually stunning. Um, but otherwise not so much. Uh, no, no, no. Like it's, I, I, I'm, it's, it's so interesting because for 20 years I've been invested in like the fellowship, you know, mm-hmm. and, and going back to like revisit, um, Lord of the Rings, it was to revisit like that, that trilogy in the court and to a lesser extent, like the hobbits, the hobbit movies. I don't even know if I um, ever saw the third hobbit movie, but I'll, I'll give that trilogy a spin every year it's awesome oh it's fantastic yeah. it's, it's fantastic it, because you you're still like you still like tuned into like vigo mortensen and you know vigo! And yeah and it's like it, i need i i think i need to separate myself from from jackson's uh lord of the rings and let uh, myself you, you, huh? you, you gotta you got you gotta keep them separated yeah <laughs> no but it it is good though it's it's a solid really solid so and like i said beautiful uh and i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be great but i need to keep keep them separated uh from the from the original ones that's not even the right album um we'll get to it um but like those this, this lord of the rings show it's not even based on like the Samarillion or anything right it's like it completely Pulled out of someone's ass. It's not Tolkien, right? Yeah, yeah the, the Tolkien family didn't give them rights to to the Cimmerillion. Um, oh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> I was um, I was guessing. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I, I, I Cimmerillion. Sam, salmon Salmonella? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien's Salmonella poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's called. Um, but no, it's but, super awesome. But, uh, but like the same Marillion is, it's not even a novel. It's like, it's like a appendix to the universe, right? It's just like a bunch right. of this shit, this shit, this shit happened, blah, blah, blah. These old gods, blah, blah, blah. And then like, we get to the story way later. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't think anyone else does, but I hope it's good. Um, pretty badass. Um, I admittedly, I have to watch the show with Wikipedia open and at the ready. Um, <laughs> so that way I could like know. Okay, okay, oh, okay, and so I will totally uh, admit to that. Um, but uh, but yeah, and but no, um, She Hulk uh, is really great. Did you catch the? Did you catch the like the throwback to Ed Ed, Ed Norton and Ruffalo? Ruffalo, thank you. Yeah. Um, how when they're talking. Walters is like, should I represent? Um, he, he tried to kill you, and Ruffalo Hulk is like, go for it, go for it. You know that happened such a yeah. long time ago. That I'm a completely different person, literally. And she looks at the camera and goes, "Ha! Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that's great. I love the fourth wall breaking. I guess she does that in the books. I, I, I never really read a lot of She-Hulk. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't know she was all dead pulley with it, but I yeah. do. I love it. And like, and, and how should I say this? She's kind of a smoke show as she Hulk. I'm like way into it. I'm like, Oh, I'm watching it. I'm like, this is a cute show. I'm like, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. And sure enough, I'm like, Ooh. You'll, you'll never watch like Shrek, like the same again. <laughs> <laughs> fucking shrek yeah oh uh, i'm googling <laughs> just googling big tall green ladies like uh, into uh certain websites uh. <laughs> but i i, th- I think I, I think tatiana maslani is a fucking delight i think she's so great and she needs like all the emmys in the world and this is another one that's getting like vote bombed on rotten tomatoes or whatever the hell because all these dudes all these fucking bros are like boo like why just just don't watch it <laughs> everyone's so uh uh gatekeeper-y about everything it's it's a bummer yeah it's it's i mean i, I described it to a friend recently it's like it's kind of like like a um you know a, I would say i mean there's some like there's some like jokes like the captain america you know like yeah i love that i would laugh my ass off and it like and she's, she's like, all hammered she's like captain america oh, like credits i was like ah it's the best thing that everything i've ever seen yeah and it's like it's not like full blown like deadpool like rated r where you know it's like ryan ryan reynolds like ryan reynoldsing all over the place well but she's like, not like, like yeah she's not doing friendly deadpool i guess. yeah it's cute yeah it's 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 ally mcbeal with superpowers that's I what it watched, feels like. I, I've heard that comparison, but I, I never watched Alvin Field, so I never. I've never seen it either. But I, I, I think it's about lawyers, and there's like some fourth wall breaking and stuff. It's Ferris Bueller. It's Ferris yeah. Bueller, and so it's is Deadpool. Of, there's a joke about that in Deadpool, of course. And there's all, and I mean, I think about like, you know, calling, thinking about like other, like Marvel movies, and I think about that, that great scene in Deadpool two. When he's going to, re- he's at the X mansion to recruit and to recruit Colossus, and he's just like, "Why don't we? Where are the rest of the X Men?" And like the door opens, and like it's like McAvoy and yeah, yeah, it's the whole squad from Jennifer the- Lawrence is there too. Like they're just like, <laughs> yeah, and he's quietly shut it up. He's he's wheeling around in, in Professor X's chair and like bumping into shit. He's like, "Where is everyone?" <laughs> so funny. Um, talking about X-Men, I actually, we've talked about Jim Lee's X-Men run from like, from, from 91 or 90. Love. I think, uh, uh, well, for me in my, in my comic book reading years, peak X-Men, X-Men one, like that's, that, that's my X-Men, you know, Cyclops in the blue suit with the fucking sling over thing, Wolverine going ape shit. That's, that's, that's me. Yeah. And I, uh. I actually had like kind of like a like an awakening like oh man I you know I want to go back and watch those that X-Men cartoon so I've been I've been going back and watching uh the 90s X-Men cartoon and it's wow. been great I uh I've started like buying old comics again and Omega Red is one of my favorite characters love them. oh I haven't heard that name in many years Omega Red with like the tendrils out of his hands. Yes, with the blonde ponytail. 
mm -hmm. uh, in Red Eyes. Well, I never realized this. He was created in X-Men number four by Jim Lee. Jim Lee created Omega Red? Uh-huh. And Chris Claremont. Uh, the Claremont writer. was writing. I was going to guess Claremont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cla Claremont yeah, is considered I, like one of the best X-Men writers. He did. I know he did Uncanny X-Men with John Byrne, if I'm not mistaken, um, for a long time. Like it, they had like, it, it was quite insane. Uh, let me see. Executioner's song, like they had like a cool hologram card on every cover for this, yes. this like saga. Oh, yeah. It'd be cool to dig up. It'd be cool to dig up those old issues, man. And like Magneto sucks the metal out of Wolverine. That that's one of the things I think in that saga. I forget. I do. I can. Oh man, I remember so clearly the that cover of um of of Wolverine with his. With his uh, adamantium, is it adamantium yeah. or vibranium? Adam, uh, <laughs> I think it's adamantium. But I, but I've been watching a lot of cycling, so I might be saying it wrong. Uh, <laughs> adamantium, yeah. <laughs> Aluminium, adam adamantium. Uh, it's starting to rain over here. You're gonna get it soon. Oh, right. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Omega Red totally created. Um, X-Men number four um, by those two. And he's one of my favorite. And so I was like, oh, well, I want to own that comic book. Because um, I started, you know, I started looking at things, I started looking like this, like, um, you know, comic, they're, they're like works, of, they're works of art, you know, like. Truly. And that, you know, I, I know you would, you, you would appreciate that. And it's like, they're, it's like the the art of like making like a dynamic and like striking comic book cover i think is just really fantastic so i actually just have started like kind of trying to collect like really cool comic book covers things sure. that stick out to me um that i could maybe display um someday and man jim lee has some great comic book covers from that from that right i think well x-men one that cover is um beyond reproach and i think still one of the best-selling comics of all time like and they made yeah. and they had they had the gatefold cover and they made like so many variants because like each each uh cover was like another squad of the x-men and there's the one big magneto portrait yeah glorious cross hatching that's how i learned cross hatching from jim lee it's when you do a bunch really? of like stripe bunch of stripes to uh insinuate i know you know but i'm telling the listeners like uh imply shadow and stuff like that so like a, a oh. gradient with pen lines and like he was an amazing cross hatcher so oh. he was he is he's 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 been drawn batman lately dude oh my god yeah you know uh just talking about all these like marvel things uh -huh. um, <laughs> there's so there's so much you know like <laughs> that you know you know one of the things you know, talking about the X-Men and talking about MC, the MCU and all these different things, uh, there, are things that, there are things that I enjoy now and that I have enjoyed, you know, and as a young man and, you know, and still still enjoy as an adult and, yeah. you know, and there there's things that I look forward to sharing, especially with my offspring. Mwah. chef's I feel, kiss i feel like that, that was, was more like of a i feel like that was more like a heartfelt like than anything. no it was beautiful uh, i like that one a lot
Thanks. Uh, Z's. Here, Here we, we go. go! snares and yelling oh man we you texted me that earlier and i said that should be the name of this episode Uh, am i because uh as we'll as we'll get to with your album choice there are a lot of drums um on on that mixtape but indeed as i learned that was that was the intention of the artist but we'll get there when we get there yeah Ooh. okay but uh ixnay on the ombre Woo. What does Ixnay mean? I, I've been hearing it for years. It means like, like don't talk about it, or is it pig Latin? What the hell's going on I with Ixnay? I think it might be pig Latin. Oh, Nix? Oh yeah, we're in, we're in Austin. It's about to storm. Oh, it, it'll it'll be over real quick. It's done over here. Yeah. I think it's trouble. Uh, uh, Nix? Nix? Redacted. Yeah. Right. So uh, uh, shut up about the man. Is yeah. that what it means, essentially? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, Jake, tell me about Ixnay on the Ombre. All right. So uh, Ixnay on the Ombre, uh, which is um, a very popular hairstyle um, method of dyeing hair. Um, is it? Oh, isn't it Ombre? Ombre hair? <laughs> Do you mean umber? Umber. Like, like brown? Oh, I yeah. can hear that. I can hear the thunder at your place. That's wild. Uh, <laughs> ombre means man. It's Spanish for man. But like ombre is like, isn't that a hairstyle too? <laughs> oh, I think we found ombre our hair. episode title. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> you blew it. Um, you know who Mike Turner is, but you know what? You don't know what color ombre is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Extinct uh, on the Ombre released yeah. February 4th, 1997. So, um, as you remember from last episode, uh, Elliot and I talked about how 1997 um, gave us big, so many. Big, big year. Big, big year for everything. Uh, for everything. But particularly, as we've seen on the show, um, uh, uh, electronic albums. Truth. I think that's the year most of our electronic albums have come. Have I think we have like four that we've done, if I'm not mistaken. It's a big ass year. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun to kind of look at what rock albums came out that year. Um, and I've always really enjoyed the Offspring's music. It's it's kind of uh, it might it, it, at times it can be kind of like kitschy, if if, if you if you will. Yeah, um, it's 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 humorous and sarcastic. It's 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 uh, has a sense of I would say like it's I would put it up right up right up next to Blink like as like a, oh this is a pop punk band with a sense of humor. Absolutely. Um and I and I I don't think it's it's very far fetched to say that Blink was, you know, certainly influenced by the Offspring in their early career. I mean, they're certainly from the same, 
you know, from Southern California, though, I think offspring is Orange County and Blink is San Diego. Um, Ooh, but, is, there, is, there, is there like a weird rivalry there? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there, 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 there has to be, I mean, because L, it's like LA and like Calif- California, California listeners, uh, uh, message us and let us know. Yeah, get out of like, here with your podcast. Up? Take the four hundred five yeah. to the. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like 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 in Austin. Well, it's kind of like here in Texas. There's like, yeah. uh, there's like a weird like, like oh, you're from Dallas. Okay. Yeah, Austin, I hate Dallas, oh. and vice versa. And Houston also is there. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very weird. So I mean, I I could imagine, um, but. Um, but yeah, so we have the offspring um, with uh, led by Dexter Holland. Uh, I, I guess I, I should call him Doctor Dexter Holland because this man has a PhD. No shit. In yes, what? sir. Uh, mole- I think it's something crazy like molecular biology. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the guy that it- wrote "I even hate you, so fuck you" is a molecular biologist. <laughs> He's 100% a PhD uh, holder. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Uh, so he has his PhD. He got it from USC. Um, and the title of his thesis uh, is Discovery of Mature MicroRNA Sequences Within the Protein Coding Regions of Global HIV-1 Genomes Pred- predictions of novel mechanisms for viral infection and pathogenicity. <laughs> Is he making a vaccine for fucking AIDS? Yeah. I have no, I mean, that'd be incredible. I mean, if, if I this guy that. cures AIDS and has like a bunch of good albums, I, I, I'll, I'll suck his dick. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, that's insane. Yeah. You, you got this guy who like, he doesn't, he, he didn't need to go back. I mean, cause he's in one of the, you know, most successful bands of American bands of the last 30 years, you know, but went back to finish his degree because he just kind of wanted to, which is super badass. Wow. That's impressive as shit. That's very cool. I learned that he, he dropped out of USC when the band really took off. And so he went back to finish when, you know, when he was ready, which is pretty cool. Dr. Dr. Dexter Holland. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Dexter. What a wow, what a badass. Oh, okay, I have like newfound respect for them. Um, the, I think I, I, I'm a little familiar with Offspring just because like it was in heavy rotation in my college years um, with like friends of mine and stuff. But I think we mostly listened to their next album, Americana. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was like a big old hit, right? With a uh, pretty fly for a white guy and like a uh, and, 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 and oh yeah and why don't you get a job like goofy yeah. goofy goofy ass tunes like these are like this is like some like borderline weird owl shit like I, or I should, you know, <laughs> it's just humorous it's very funny like these guys don't don't really give a shit too much seemingly but the riffs dude riffs oh, yeah. for days who is their guitar player because this guy uh, slaps so you have um, you have Dexter plays rhythm guitar and then okay. alongside him, you have Noodles, who plays lead guitar. <laughs> so just, noodles, 
Does noodles, noodles. Does, noodles, does noodles have a PhD? Yeah, I don't think noodles does. Oh, uh, yeah, he has a GED. <laughs> <laughs> noodles was, he was a high school janitor uh, when he joined the band. Wow. Yeah, so it's a really great, really, really awesome story. Um, these guys, they actually started jamming in 1983. Um, wow. And um, kind of were really heavily involved in that Southern California punk rock explosion with like you had I say Southern California but the big bands at that time were you had Rancid Bad Religion um, Pennywise uh, Offspring and of course the big ones Green Day okay okay Uh, sure and out of those out of those i would say rancid offspring green day were the ones that kind of like rose above to mainstream success how do you feel Uh, about rancid i enjoy rancid um i'm a big old fan dude uh (laughs) a little little secret about me and out came the wolves that album fucking yeah rules ruby soho Soho? (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i um that one and um Maxwell Murder. Oh, I mean, the one uh, with that yep. crazy bass line. Um, um, There's like 30 tracks on the album. They're all awesome. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> uh, Time Bomb. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, uh, dude. Let's do Rancid. Dude, I could pick a Rancid. We could do Outcome Outcome the Wolves. That's totally cool. What, what, what year did Outcome the Wolves come out? Let me check. Dude, I love that album, honestly. It's, it's so a, much fun. It's, it's fantastic. Ruby, 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 so ho. 95. 95, it's in, okay. Maybe fantastic. not next time, but like, woo, keep keep that on your list, baby. It's so good. That, that album sounds like it came out last year. It's kind of timeless. Or from like the 60s, like, or 70s, you know, like yeah. some punk rock shit. When did the punk rock thing, like, when are when are Ramones? When are Misfits? And how do we get to Offspring from there? Oh, that that's a wonderful question. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's like I have a music criticism podcast. <laughs> no, th- this is honestly like <laughs> punk rock history in America is like one of my favorite things to to talk about. So this is to get a chance to talk about it on my beloved show with you is is truly a dream come true it'd be great to hear that but anyways she hulk <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> no so please did you see when she was dropping love no <laughs> i believe me i saved the gif to my phone <laughs> no i didn't i did it i did it i did i absolutely did. Okay. <laughs> people are mad that she's like twerking like fuck off all right um, wax poetic about punk rock and the timeline. So, um, so arguably punk rock kind of like started in with garage bands of like the 1960s. Um, you hear, you can hear a lot of it in like the uh, music by the kinks. Um, think like you really got me. You know, and so that feels like a, like a kind of a surf rock kind of vibe. Well, a lot of a lot of that early punk is kind of like derivative from surf rock for sure. Very okay. like tre- trebly guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, you have um, from your neck of the woods, you have the MC, the Motor City Five, MC Five, 
and Iggy and the Stooges. Okay. Um, they oh, were yeah. playing loud, fast, guitar-driven music as well. And they started playing gigs in, in New York. And kind of before them, you had the Velvet Underground also doing like a minimalist thing. Um, so it can huh? be argued that Vel the Velvets, MC5, and Iggy were kind of like the, the seed of punk rock. Uh, then from there, um, you had Glam. Um, so Glam, you had the New York Dolls, and uh, part of that, who also part of that scene, you had a young Joey Ramone, the lead singer of the Ramones. Uh huh. Um, Jeffrey Hyman, uh, as he was going at that time. So out of this Glam scene, I, I, I heard he, lo he lost that last thing. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so. So from that scene, you had you had these glam rockers that formed bands like the Ramones, and they started playing at CBGBs. So, yeah. and, and I, I would bounce this question off of you: Where is the Bowery in in New York? Where is I know it's like a it's a clothing store now or something like that, but where was CBGBs? Oh boy! Oh, don't don't quiz me on New York geography. CBGB's is like a, probably a fucking Starbucks anymore, or it's like a museum. I I, I don't I don't remember. Um, I know it's like gone through a few. So times of like changing ownership and stuff. It's Manhattan um, East Village. Yeah, East Village, and then I believe Bowery is uh, below Soho, like so it's a little more south. I okay. think. I think, and I might be totally wrong because I haven't been there in quite some time. So what what is what was the Manhattan village like when you lived in New York? I, and this is someone who's driven through New York as like a four-year-old. And the only memory I have is looking out the window and my mom saying, oh, look, there's Central Park. And then falling back asleep. What, what, what oh. was it? I know we're, we're, we're kind of getting off subject of West Coast punk rock. And this is, this is East Coast punk rock. Yeah. It's kind okay, of I want to get to like how we go from across the country to, 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 to and then to offspring. But, um, but uh, I think in, in these, in the days we're talking about, about like CBG being stuff is like the grime of it all. Like dirty ass ant colony where people are forced to live in. And like, uh, like everyone's just dirty and sweaty and poor and like gross. Like my New York was a little more, you know, fucking bagel shops and $5 iced coffees. Uh, Cause I lived there and you know, like, 10 years ago now, I guess. So I, I certainly wasn't there for any uh, leather pants and, and shirtless uh, punk shows. Although I went to a few. But, uh, but like, you know, everything is everything was quite derivative of this uh, era we're talking about. But I, I imagine as a uh, as an ex-New Yorker, like, like that, that like, kind of, um, well, and we'll get to it, like, the angst and, like, the, the kind of panic and anxiety of living uh, smashed together with a bunch of people and like the anger of like oh this place is so gross and, but like it's also like kind of the best place in the world like gutter punk of it all like oh I can't, I can't. it's 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 like kind of it kind of became cool to be broke in New York it was hip you know it's hip <laughs> you know that trashy kind of like um, basement venue semi-legal I spent all my money on this leather jacket kind of like 
like long hair is in fashion because no one can afford to cut their hair kind of vibe is pretty fucking well it's rock and roll is what it is yeah yeah that's one thing i mean just seeing pictures of you know the ramones hanging out with like david johansson from new york dolls who are, who are like i don't know if i mentioned them when i say glam rock but they're like yeah the, doll, the dolls are considered like proto-punk you know glam rock proto-punk um uh, and it's just i just to 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 be on a, to be a fly on the wall at one of those shows would it would be such a dream. But okay, oh, out of here! Come on, forget it. Uh, so right how, how do we how do we get from New- CBGB in New York to wherever the hell these skater boys are from? So we kind of have to go across the pond. Um, so oh. so New York, New York. We're, go, we're going we're going the other way around the globe. Yeah, to get yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking the long way home. I love it. Um, so the New York scene was great, but it was very, it was very, I don't want to say isolated because they, those bands certainly toured. Um, but it was kind of like, if you, you, if you were in the know, you knew. If you knew about the Ramones, Talking Heads, Television, Blondie, these groups, you knew. Uh, it wasn't until the Sex Pistols came over to the United States and were banned by the State Department, were denied entry, and then we're covered in the news and all of a sudden they, you know, punk was brought to the masses. And that's a quote from, from someone uh, that has been written and I can't think of their name. So I apologize, but yeah. So the sex pistols, uh, you know, introduced punk to, you know, suburban America to, to people that weren't in the know. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Arguably, once that, you know, when they toured in 1978, you know, people got a glimpse of this counterculture, you know, and from there, you know, they formed, that's when bands started forming. And so an offshoot from the Sex Pills is you had like Southern California hardcore, which is essentially just, for lack of a better word, noise. It's just kind of like audible aggression and angst. Um you get bands like Black Flag that came out of there. They're, they're, they're from California. Um, but then you also get bands like the Dead Kennedys, who were actually like very literate punks. Um, and I think they were from like the Bay Area. You know, the Ramones influencing the Sex Pistols, the Sex Pistols coming over and making a huge splash is, is what I would argue inspired bands like The Offspring to form. Um, you know, I forget, I forget what the quote is and I don't want to misquote them, but it's like the shows, the sex pistols played weren't that great, but they went home. They inspired a hundred different bands to form. Uh, and that's actually kind of where like the, the Austin punk scene got its start too. It was from the sex pistols show in, in San Antonio. Cause they didn't play Austin. Um, so yeah. So I would, I would argue that tour could be like the catalyst that that inspired bands like the offspring uh to form for sure uh so that's how we get to california and california punk what was when was this tour and why didn't they go to austin so the the tour was 1978 they so the sex pistols manager his name was malcolm mclaren he was a um a provocateur <laughs> for lack of a better word uh oh he liked uh, he liked causing anarchy 
he was all about making people uncomfortable. And so that's why he booked the Sex Pistols, um, this band of like young, you know, punks. He booked them in, in cities like Memphis and Atlanta, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, San Antonio and Dallas. Now this is a time where punk rock didn't exist. So in a lot of the venues they played at were honky tonks or dance halls. And this was all by McLaren's design. Like he was like, I'm going to get my boys in front of these rednecks and we're going to piss them off. We're going to shatter some, shatter some minds. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and it, it would make it would make totally perfect sense for the Pistols to have played in Austin. They would, could have played like the Armadillo World Headquarters, which is where like the Ramones played when they rolled through. Um, but Malcolm McLaren was like, "No, let's let's book them in a bingo hall in uh, San Antonio for a bunch of cowboys." So. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just a, maybe it's a different era, and this question is off. And you, you could correct me, but like, who then is going to these shows, and and why? Do they think it's a country band and like they're sadly mistaken? So, um, so for the, I know for this, the shows in Dallas and San Antonio, it was kind of like a mix of those people that had bought the Sex Pistols singles and had like formed punk bands of their own in their own communities. Okay. Um, but the majority of concert goers were made up of Curious Cowboys. That's the episode title. Curious Cowboys. <laughs> With the alliteration? Like, Come on. There, um, you know, there, there's great news clippings of like people being like, well, I saw Johnny Rotten in the newspaper and I'm gonna, you know, punch him in the face, you know, when I get there. You know, like these like kind of like aggressive oh. people who just went Oh, oh. they went to like go hate watch them? Yeah, hate watch. Which probably only fueled the show's energy even more, right? Oh yeah, like because they're like, they're like hell yeah, hate us, throw your beer bottles, uh, you know, Blues Brothers style or whatever. It was probably ruckus, dude. Oh man, like you, there's there's video of like the Texas shows, and it, it just people are throwing beer bottles. Like Sid Vicious, like took his bass off and like swung it at a concert goer. Yikes! Uh, a concert goer from California actually like got on stage and punched Sid Vicious in the nose and broke his nose. Um, Far out. And at, at this time, Sid was actually going through like a serious like heroin withdrawal. So he had like carved his chest and so he was bleeding and it was just, oh. it was, it was, it, it was a mess. It was, it was, it was, it was terrible, but it, it gave birth to, uh, you know, the, the widespread of American punk rock music. Far out so cut to the offspring listening to these dudes while they're studying rna genomes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're like let's make a let's make an album about teenage angst and and like let's add a lot of you know long shorts vibes to it yeah. <laughs> and, and uh oh my buddy noodles can like crush on guitar and he truly does um <laughs> This this album felt like furious, and yet like uh, um, elated 
and like there's an element of joy going on here and like these guys are just having a good old fucking time man and like it's it's hilarious and like dude okay i had forgotten that intermission was such a jam dude yeah. they have they have interludes in the album which which we've covered before on on several other albums Inter- i remember intermission being like a joke tune that friends of mine would like put on mix tapes all the time because it's it's like hilarious it's like you know 30 seconds of like intermission and like you know a cute little pop 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 thing going on uh the just another cool thing about california punk rock the the vocals on on disclaimer were, were done by jello biafra who sang vocals in the dead kennedys from san francisco a very influential punk rock band Oh, okay. I was curious about that one because that, that, that opens the album and it has it's it's yeah. So that, that's a that's like a veteran of the scene. Yeah, Dead Kennedys are like second gen, I would say, punk rockers following like the uh, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. They're pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. What generation then are we in when listening to the Offspring in '97? Okay, that that's I was thinking well, about that. that. That might be impossible, but uh, but like. To, to, to map out, but I'm curious. I would say third or fourth. Okay. <laughs> um, but but let's, 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 so I was more familiar with the album after this, with all the hits, you know, that were like empty worthy and stuff. Um, but then sure enough, Gone Away oh, man. popped on. And I was like, oh, right. I remember this tune and it fucking slams. It's so good. But it's like, it's the one that's not like the other on the album. It's a grungy fucking ballad. It yeah. is half, it's half the tempo of their, of their like Speed Scott punk tunes on the rest of the album. And, and it's like grungy and flannelly and like he's crooning, but it's such a jam. I, uh, Gone Away is the, the, might be the first song I ever heard by The Offspring. Um, and it's probably when, mine too, yeah. When, when listening to this album with the Mimo's ear, um, <laughs> I had a like, like a like a vivid, vivid memory of the first time I heard this song. Um, I'll never forget. It, it must have been two, the year probably two thousand. In the year two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was with I was with my god brothers and we were at the batting cages in San Antonio. Wow. That's and so specific. <laughs> I'll never forget we, we got in the car to go home and to like a little expedition and I was sitting on I was sitting behind behind the driver and this song comes on 99.5 Kiss, a radio station I've talked about before on the show. And <laughs> And I remember listening to the song and just be being like, oh my God, what is this? Like the drums were like, you know, and the guitars are super flangy. Like it has that great guitar riff and like Dexter, who's like, you know, his, his voice just worked for these songs. I remember just being like, okay, okay, gone away, gone away. And it feels and it feels heaven so far. And I remember thinking, I have to remember this song. And I don't know what for it because there was no Shazam. There was no like uh-huh. Spotify. But on the Offspring's old website, turn of the, you know, turn of the century website, <laughs> um, 
you could go and they had they had the audio from all their albums that you could play on the website. And it was like this like clunky Apple player that was like just gray and like yeah. loaded. You remember those? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember going and getting this out looking at this album and going through each song to try and in the course of the song's name was gone away. <laughs> um and clicking on it and then just like sitting there by the computer and just like listening to the song like on repeat being like oh my god this is amazing hell yeah and i remember that was 22 years ago now and i just i was transported to that hot summer day when i first heard the song and and, and i i think that might be my favorite offspring song i think so okay sure um yeah okay well what 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 is dexter doing with his voice Something's, something is going on. Um, and it almost like reminded me, so he's kind of yelling from his throat, but I think he's like recording himself twice and like and like harmonizing with himself a little bit like our, our boy Elliot Smith does often. It seems like a similar production technique and it sounds kind of fucking fantastic. It, it does, and there, it's kind of like Elliot. There's no, there's no one that sounds like Dexter, like Dr. Yeah. Dexter, you know, like. Dr. <clears throat> Dexter. I've tried, I've been to open mics and have tried jamming like offspring songs. And it just, I can do the guitar parts, you know, like I taught myself guitar by playing, you know, these songs. But when it comes to singing, it's like, what's the point? Like, I can't do that. Oh, that's, that, well, I'll, I'll, I've seen you sing and, and stop it. Oh, <laughs> you, 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 you sound good. <laughs> but like, I think, I don't know if he, he can't be doing it once. Like, but like, I guess live shows, Unless you can like, like, some weird people can like sing in two octaves at once or whatever, and like do weird like vocal uh, stuff. But like, something's going on with his voice, and I want to get to the bottom of it. I can't figure and, it out. And it's, he sounds great live. I actually got to see The Offspring with Three Eleven uh, a couple summers ago. Oh, uh, what a fun show! <laughs> I'm a Three Eleven guy too. I like Three Eleven a lot. It was great, and he actually did "Gone Away" solo on piano. On piano. Yeah, because it is their ballad. Yeah, it's odd that their big first is it was it was it like their first big single? Well, before this one, you had Smash, which was the big one. That's the one that kind of like launched. That was their Dookie, like uh, uh, well titled. If it was a big hit, yeah, Smash. (laughs) All right, Smash had um, gotta get away. uh, Had gotta keep them separated. Oh, that was before this one. Yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta keep them separate. That was a jam. Yeah. And self-esteem. Which one's self-esteem? Self-esteem is one that's like, uh, I'm just a sucker with no self-esteem. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. So this is like college rock. Like, this is like, I'll put these guys, I'll put this album right next to like Weezer. I, I think Weezer's a little bit more, they're narratively and like uh, songwriting quality, but like that's not what you're going to offstrings for. You're not going for poetry. You're going for like a good ass time. And this album's a good ass time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I even even like some of their later stuff, the offspring, like I'll return to you, and it just kind of like gets you in a good mood. You know. Yeah. Um, I would certainly. I would say like maybe like the blue album as a like cohesive piece of like art is is like still like the go-to because you can that's a that's like a pretty much like no skip while there is some heat on ixnay um 
and, I, and I'll definitely return to it. Um, I would buy the vinyl uh, if I ever see it. Um, there, there's some ones that that I didn't like really love, like the the one about hating everyone. Yeah, that, that I quoted earlier. That was uh, that was an interesting one. But but like I think that that one, I, it, I thought it was funny. Like because yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're clearly clearly being sarcastic. Yeah. But other, I think now, now that I say it out loud, I think that's the only one that I was like, eh, on. Um, the one I really wanted to talk about was uh, I Choose. Uh-huh. And there is a lot of, like, there. there's a lot of, like, grungier um, sounds on this record, pr- particularly the last two songs, um, mm-hmm. Amazed and Changed the World. I like this album a lot, dude. Is, 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 was it a winner for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice and short, too. It's 45 yeah. minutes. These yeah. guys are they're, they're playing they're playing double bass like they want to get out of the room as fast as they can. <laughs> like these songs are so, they're so fast. Uh, one of the one of the choruses sounds a lot like the verse in uh, this band Sweet. Never heard of them. Of course I'm familiar. I'm a big old fan. You have you have a heart and two ears. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a song by the band called Sweet. They're an early glam band. Um, huh? Were they glam? Were they glam? I think they're considered like a, a glam band. Like long hair and they're wearing skirts and sparklies or something. Like <laughs> like is that? I think so. I uh, Fox on the Run. Did you say? I'm a yeah. big fan of that tune. I think it's fantastic. So Fox on the Run, the um, the the, the verses. Ah, I, I don't wanna know your name. name. Cause um, you don't look the same the way you did before. <laughs> I've never and heard so, it. Fox <laughs> on the run. We're screaming. Okay. There's on 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 Name Nombre, there's a song called I Choose. Yes. Um, and there's a very similar melody um, in the chorus of I Choose to to Fox and Run that when I listened to it, it drove me insane because I was like, this sounds this sounds familiar. I like this. What is this? And it's totally Fox and Run by by Sweet. So check those out and let me know what you think. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna listen to them back to back. I, I, did, I did not get uh, Fox and the Run in my in my first listen through, but I'll, I'll check that out. It was killing me. I was like, <laughs> throwing a, I was throwing a fit. In- Final thoughts. We, we we've been going for two hours. We gotta get to the next one. Oh my gosh. Um, no, I. Uh, this was a treat. I'm, I'm really happy you liked it too. Yeah, it's fun. Um, where do they? Where Where does the offspring land in like the pantheon of pop punk these days? Um, has there Has there like their sound and like uh, have they lasted? Are they considered like one of the greats? Are they considered like oh deep cuts? Are Are, are, are they? Because I don't know. Um, I, one of the home home hometown guys made good with a PhD now, blah, blah, blah. I feel like the offspring might not get the same type of like recognition as a band like Green Day. Um, yeah. That might be because like the offspring kind of did like more like, like you said earlier, like kind of like funnier songs, kind of, kind of like goofy. They didn't, I feel like they never, even though they had some like darker songs, more. Um, Gone Away is pretty dark. Yeah, so it's it definitely. Uh, they never. It seems like they almost like never took themselves too seriously. But I don't think the offspring were ever into that. I think the offspring were just about having fun. 
You yeah, know? and like you don't want them to be Interpol. Like you don't want to be too cool for school. Like, but like, why aren't they on like the festival circuits all the time? Like, if if I saw us offspring at ACL, or whatever, you know, I'd be like, oh shit, how fun is that? Let's check it out. Stage three, but you know, it'd be fun as shit. They're definitely like beloved, but they maybe haven't capitalized on that. Um, I I would say like you would not have like a Blink One Eighty Two or like a newfound glory or a simple plan or any one of these without the offspring you wouldn't have afi without the offspring because dexter founded nitro records in the 90s and uh afi was on there and they released a lot of afi's early stuff this guy's got a phd and a label so the label unfortunately label is not it's no it's like defunct but um, defunct (laughs) i just like that word but it was certainly influential in introducing AFI to, to the world. And we, actually, we can actually end on this one. Um, Offspring featured in my apparently all-time favorite movie that's not The Girl Next Door. Is it Idle, Idle Hands? Idle Hands. <laughs> but wh- which Offspring tune was in Idle Hands? Uh, so this is great. So in the, in the movie, um, the Offspring is playing the Halloween dance. Uh, attended by Devin Sawa and Jessica Alba. Devin Sawa, I was trying to remember his name. Yeah. And um, Casper. Casper, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so in the movie, they're playing uh, a Ramones cover. They're playing I Want to Be Sedated. They're playing a cover. I love I Want to Be Sedated. That's great. Um, interesting. No, then, they didn't play an offspring tune? Mm-mm. I at least huh. I don't think so. I don't remember. But and then uh, spoiler: Dexter uh, gets uh, super he have- killed. He gets super killed by the uh, the titular Idle Hands. So <laughs> wait, he he the lead singer of the Offspring dies in Idle Hands. He gets he gets like super murdered. Yeah, super murdered. All right, yeah. we're watching this movie. All right, I'm gonna watch it. That'll Check be our Idle next Hands. movie. That'll be our next movie breakdown. We have to. We've talked about it too much. You keep bringing it up. Jeez, Louise. It's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> how how young is Jessica Alba in it when she performed? Because I need to know beforehand for reasons. <laughs> oh God, it's it's pre Dark Angel for sure. Whoa, Dark Angel, bro! <laughs> That's such a deep cut. <laughs> post post camp nowhere, pre Dark Angel, so. <laughs> James Cameron production, Dark Angel. Really? Yeah, I think so. Fact check me because I'll have to cut that out. But like, I'm pretty sure like James Cameron produced that fucking show where I think she's on a motorcycle. I only saw the trailers for it. Dude, Dark Angel, uh, that it came, it used to come on early in like the week and then it got moved to Friday yeah, night. It got Fox. canned. It got canned. So that fucking was- Fox. That was heartbreaking to me. It was created by James Cameron. Boom! Did you? I, okay. I are you impressed? I'm are you impressed. not? Are you not entertained with my knowledge of weird deep cut fucking Z-list TV shows starring Jessica Alba on a motorcycle? I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is a deep episode. This is a deep cut episode for sure. Oh, this is the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> with, with 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 your knowledge of punk rock and my knowledge of <laughs> Fox shows from 1993, oh my god, we're unstoppable. Yeah, 
Hey, you know whose songs uh, aren't featured in anything? <laughs> because they're just beeps and boops and clicks. It's my artist this week. Uh, Richie Houghton. So after, after, after like over, over, how long have you been doing this show, Jake? We started this in 2020. So we're on probably a year, two years, two and a half years. It's been a minute. Um, and, and I've given you a lot of gems and I'm working from my list of like trying to curate this like little lovely, like, uh, you know, amuse-bouche of, uh, of electronica. As as a noob, as I as I carry over this threshold in my in my carrying arms into this world of electronic music, and I started realizing like, oh, he likes all these, and I'm kind of curating these like to like, oh, Jake will like this, oh, Jake will like that. Um, I know, I knew you were gonna love Chemical Brothers' Surrender. I knew you would love the the album before that, Dig Your Own Hole. Uh, I, I figured you'd like Fatboy Slim. Um, uh, I, I, I knew you'd love Daft Punk Alive '97. Uh, I knew uh, I didn't know if you would like Homework, but that was our first episode ever, and we were, we were, we were, we were like a baby deer trying we, to find. We just our met the week before. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we met in my living room when we recorded the first episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we found each other on Craigslist. Wanted one podcast co-host. Anyone want to talk about '90s rock? <laughs> but I figured, okay, at this point, it's okay, enough already. Let's get into the real shit. So I gave you Richie Houghton's Dex, EFX, and 909. Now this is a challenge. It is it is a DJ um, album. It is a compilation album. He's He is doing a lot of things. I sent you a couple videos, listeners. Listeners, no, I sent Jake a couple videos of like what... Richie Houghton's kind of setup looks like, and he's got a whole bunch of bullshit going on. It's not two turntables in a mixer. It is like, like he's got a foot pedal. Oh my God, who uses a foot pedal to DJ? Can you imagine? <laughs> this guy's a big old nerd, um, but, he, but he does these great compositions. This is a composition. This is fine art. This is if Offspring is, you know, Pearl Snaps and Four Loco. This is this is red wine and ketamine. This is these these are finer drugs served on a silver platter, and we are meant to consider the beats he's not playing, man, which is stupid. And he he get, he does get kind of a uh, bad rap about the hoity toityness of like, oh, this is like cool techno. This is like cool. Like we're meant to be like, oh, interesting. I know that kick drum from the 909 that was released, and I know that 303 synth line, and like, oh, okay, cool. And like, 
it's very you know it's just like these very deeply subtle changes uh in this mix where he's incorporating other people's music he's incorporating you know, you know playing a jeff mills who is a fucking legend and as is richie hotton richie hotton's from canada i think he played he did, did a lot of shows in detroit he's a big berlin dude and he would do these um you mentioned uh, with offspring the, the you said the words in the know if you're in the know and and hotton uh, put on a lot of parties a lot of raves a lot of shows that you couldn't get into if you were not in the know if you didn't know about them but you didn't know the right question to ask is there a party tonight probably is richie hotton throwing a party tonight i don't know because he didn't tell me like th this is like get, get a phone number meet meet some shady ass kid in a in a uh you know truck stop flash your lights at him in the right code you follow him to the party kind of shit this is underground shit this is sketchy ass i shouldn't have invited my friend becky because she's nervous now like kind of party stuff I've, I've been to plenty of them it is it is minimalism he's working with restrictions that he's put upon himself i can't play piano I can't, uh, uh, I can't add too much synth. I can work with what I have in front of me and I'm gonna make a composition, an hour long composition of, of beats with my decks, meaning two turntables, my EFX, which is a box that filters things, and my 909, which is the drum machine that most of Daft Punk's homework is made on. Jake, <laughs> what did you think of Richie Hotton's decks, EFX, and 909? It was pretty fantastic. Um, this is our first mixtape. This is a mixtape, right? I just explained it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. It is. It is considered a, what we might call a mixed album. It's a compilation album. album. So he's, okay. he is. He is. He is performing this. He is performing it. Um, he is. He is punching uh, beats into a into a sequencer, and he's like, and he's adjusting everything while also incorporating other people's music into that. So this is our first mix. Um, yes. Compilation. Most, with the exception of like Daft Punk, Alive, you know, it's been album-based. You know, there's a, an end, a stop, a beginning, and an end to the songs. This song did not end until oh. one hour, one, one, one minute, whatever it was. Yes. Um, and I think like had I had I not had two and a half years of prep um, going into this, I think I would have found it. I think I don't think I would have known how to like wrap my head around it. I don't think I would have known to how to, to process listen, it. To, yes, you yeah. Know, to, to listen for certain things, um, to try and pick up on things. That's what we've come to call around around the Sip and Mimo studios as the Mimo's ear. Which I love. Every um, time you say it. <laughs> um but no, I, I thought this was it was it was compelling and it was it was I I would it, it was akin to to listening to like something that you would hear like a at a like an orchestra play, you know, like um mm. a, a symphony. You know, like there were wow different movements there was there was different movements all while having 
a underlying theme. And I think for Richie Houghton in this one, it was it was the beat. Um, yes. What is he doing if if not conducting this weird uh, orchestra of a simplified orchestra, but an orchestra nonetheless of kick drum, snare, hi hat? Like that's like essentially all he's doing. Absolutely, and go, going through it all, like I was able to pick up on those those changes, the, the, like the um, and he he, I thought it was like an oscillator, um, just mm -hmm. from like messing around with like my synths at home. Um, but according to his video, it's actually a low pass, high pass filter that he's manipulating um, for a lot of these songs. Well, that would be on the EQs. And, and so on, and that'd be like actually on the mixer. But yes, and, and, the, and the EFX of it all, Dex EFX 909, the, the EFX would be like filters like cutoff and resonance flange. You know, and then yeah, on, on the mixer you have like your hard EQs, and on, on a good DJ mixer you can remove bass entirely, it, it, where he can just remove the kick drum from a track from a record that he's playing, and all of a sudden it's a different song. So he's kind of creating something new out of all these dis, uh, disparate parts. That's that's one of the things that in in the in the two videos you sent me, Elliot sent me um two videos uh one was richie hodden close or close live close, how I close. Play. and the other one was how i play um model one dj setup and i think that was like a kind of like a showcasing hodden's um mixer i think that he had he had been working maybe with maybe with the designer company but he was kind of showcasing what it what it what it can what what its functions are and in a lot of those videos, he he really stresses how, uh, like for instance, how, how he wants to create something that wasn't before. Uh, like for instance, like a quote he says is, you know, I don't want anyone on the dance floor recognizing anything. He he seems to really like the idea of combining different tracks into an into something never before heard, new, and. And one of the big ways he does this, just from seeing those videos, is he he takes different drum tracks and layers them on top of each other. And one track he'll have he'll have like manipulated the sound a certain way, the other another certain way, and he drops it on. And it was like listening listening to it on YouTube because this one isn't on this one isn't streaming. I had to track this one down. Yeah, um, underground. Yeah. You know, listening to it, watching him do it on on these videos, and listening to it like on YouTube, it, it it's a different phenomenon. Like seeing him, like oh, this is actually two tracks, three tracks, and you listen to it, and you're like, oh, like I would have never known, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a wild composition, and you know, and I said it is a fine art. And if we're gonna if we're gonna get into DJ mixes and like how DJ mixes are put together. I think this is a great uh, deep end starter, like because this is nuts. Like uh, from the from the DJ perspective, he's doing stuff the entire time. Like, and if, if even if you look at the track list, which is so silly, you needn't have bothered with a track list. <laughs> like, like oh, track four is you know four a two track five is o two a two track 12 is a one <laughs> like uh track 14 call of the wild 
uh, track eight, L8, you know, track 16, Scout. Um, and of course, of course, track 18, 19, and 20, orange minus one, orange minus two, minus orange two. You know, when I which heard we, it, I was like, which we all know. This has we to all be know those. orange minus two. <laughs> you, you kid, we both joke. But if you hear one of those tracks at a, D, at a Detroit party in a warehouse with a single strobe light and no other lights on and a bunch of kids freaking the fuck out, people lose their minds. Like Really? The, these are actual classics he's playing. And they became classics from this album. That's actually what I kind of wanted to, to, to bring that up. So one of the things I, I learned kind of like in my research, just like on like Wikipedia and stuff. And so, it, so, and I kind of got here from watching the, the second video um, closer. He talks about how his mixer is one of two and that his dad helped him create uh, a six channel mixer or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And okay. I thought like, I thought like, wow, that's, that's really neat because as, as a young guitarist, um, you know, my dad would often like, he built me my first pedal board, you know, or, uh, with my amp, my amp was like, whenever I would put it in my truck, it would scrape real bad. So he would like, Oh, let's put these, you know, these, like these metal pieces of metal on the front of it to prevent it from scraping, you know? And so it kind of like made me think of like, like my, even though, you know, my dad didn't like design a, like a, a mixer, it kind of like, it made me think of like how my dad, like, like took an interest in like my musical taste and saw a way to make my life as a guitarist easier and, and went, went there by making me a pedal board. Cause I was carrying, I was literally carrying like pedal boards, like a bunch, like I was carrying a bunch of bananas into a gig and just like plopping them. <laughs> like you put them in a basket. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, let's put these on a, let's make a pedal board. And so he, he did it, you know? And, uh, oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. And so thank you, dad. Um, so I was reading how his dad helped him design this, this mixer. And I was like, well, damn, like what, what, what's it's that super about? Cute. That's so adorable. Oh, did you look up his dad? Yeah. Okay. So this is according to Wikipedia. Um, his dad which worked is, which as is a, always right. Yes. As a so. robotics technician at General Motors. Perfect. And was a fan of electronic music and introduced Richie to Kraftwerk and Tangerine Dream. Of course. Yep. The, the, and, the, so uh, that's that's phase one. Kraftwerk Tangerine Dream. That's origin story of this genre. Yeah. So and I was like, General Motors, that's that's Detroit. Like what is it sure is. Like, um, and then so it looks like he he also he started DJing in Detroit at places like the shelter. Is that are you familiar with that place? Oh boy. I, I, okay, now you're quizzing me on Detroit geography. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've probably played there. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, he also he also threw a lot of parties in Windsor. Am I correct? Windsor, Canada. It's right across the river from Detroit. This is gonna this is gonna make me feel like I've never looked at a map before. It's Detroit. <laughs> it's uh, on the other side of the lake, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Windsor. <laughs> Windsor. No, it's so it, it. It's like wait, wait, which way does the fist go? No, it's like uh, a, it's a it's a palm right yeah like windsor's like right here okay and, and like and like so it's just yeah i don't know I, men I, that draw these lines oh yeah he know. dropped out of the university of windsor where he was studying film 
Yeah, so that would totally make sense if he was spending a lot of time in in that part of in that part of Canada. No, and, and I I thought that was really neat how his dad, you know, him and his dad collaborated on a mixer. He, he I believe he's Canadian born, and and he threw a lot of parties in Detroit, which is pretty close, uh, right across the river. And I, but there's actually a tunnel, a tunnel. Can you imagine under a lake? Who makes a tunnel under a lake? You know who does? Engineers. And this guy is an absolute engineer when it comes to this stuff. And he he he, he knows how these sa- these sounds, like these little bits of sound, this kick drum on the 909, this snare drum on the 909, how this flange works in the EFX, and how this record was pressed. He knows exactly how it was made and what went into it. And he's and he is elaborating on it. Um, he, uh, th- there's a lot of stories about Richie Houghton and about how weird he is. Kind of like the Aphex Twin thing. Remember that? Like, yeah. oh, Aphex Twin lives in a tank or whatever. Like, eh, maybe, maybe not. He might have one. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But uh, there's like stories of how, how he was banned from the U.S. for years because his parties got so intense that people were like, you know, ODing or like, like it just got so insane. Like his parties were so crazy that he wasn't allowed back into the States. So he went to fucking Berlin, which is the other techno capital of the world uh, besides Detroit and, and like, and just became a fucking phenomenon. So Detroit is the techno capital of the United States. Yes. That's a I will, big I, I will, I will, I will say that with absolute confidence. I took a moment. You saw me take a moment. Yes. With absolute confidence, Detroit, Michigan is the techno capital of the world. Detroit represent um, Detroit. 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 Well, Michigan, you know, arguably the birthplace of punk rock and and a techno capital. So why why would you put why would you give that distinction to Detroit? What's well, curious, isn't it? It's a city known for you know Motown, rock and roll. Um, well, you know. beyond that, what's the fourth thing? Manufacturing. It's about it's 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 where they put the first uh, you know. Uh, automotive plants in the states. Right. Um, it, it 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 was the assembly line state. It was manufacturing things. It was making something out of metal and and with computers and with engineering. It was a and so like they stamped these cars, bang, 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 as they made these shapes that they put together with screws and nuts and bolts to make an automobile. It was the automotive state. GM, Ford. All this stuff that went away after a while, but something came out of that, didn't it? Uh, it's also one of the most uh, like draw a line down the middle of Michigan. It's most most disparate income inequality states in our nation. Flint still doesn't have clean water, anyways. Um, but something something out of this engineering culture came this sound. I know Kraftwerk and Tangerine Dream and all this, but then like uh, meanwhile in the states in this state that that is known for making cars came this just robotic sound this like engineered metal sound this like metronome and it's techno detroit techno is a genre and it's gorgeous and it's a vibe and i think richie high wouldn't have to be mentioned if we're talking about detroit techno because of his legendary parties and his sound and, and uh, uh, next to him, and probably before him, would be the Detroit, Detroit techno sound, which would, which would originate from the Bellevue Three, which is Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, and Derek May. 
the, the, and these guys are like dudes that would like hang out uh, in their each other's mom's basements with fucking drum machines and make these tunes, and they became legends. And then they birthed Detroit techno. You, you can you can say sure, there's some white guys in Berlin doing the same thing, but these these African American dudes in Detroit were making the real shit. As I talk about a Canadian white guy with a black V neck and a rich dad who builds him a mixer, <laughs> we'll get to the Bellevue Three. I'm excited to I'm excited to learn more about Detroit techno. Hopefully, listen. Oh, we can listen to to more of them uh, in in the future. It's something. Detroit's one of those. Detroit, like New York, um, you know, the great the great cities of the United States of America, are cities that fascinate me. And you know, I know we joke about New York a lot, but when I every time I ask you about every time I ask you about New York, I'm not being facetious or anything. I'm not being. I'm genuinely curious about what what it's like because it's to me it's another planet. You know, and and I'm very same thing with Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen it, and uh, I want to learn as much as I can about it. This piece was just staggering. Um, it, it was one of the things that I, I really fall back on those videos a lot. Um, he talks about the art of DJ. And I think it's the first time. It's one of it's one of the rare times we've actually like heard from our. Um, from our art, from our electronic artists, yeah, their craft. I mean, the only other time I could think of it was like the avalanches, um, talking about well, how, I, they, how they how they did they, it. Yeah, he li- uh, he likes to he likes to be transparent about it, which is interesting. And and in in a in a culture of like electronic music where everyone's masked and like kind of hidden, and like likes to be secretive because that's kind of part of the appeal. He's yeah. like, here's exactly how I did this. In fact. In the liner notes of DEFX at 909, he has a bar graph of the entire mix and where the tracks come in and out and what he's doing with the 909 and the effects. He mapped out the entire mix and like put a like an image of it. Like, like here is the mix, here's how I did it, and here's what's going on. And that's unprecedented. I've never seen a DJ mix where someone said, here's exactly like visually, where the tracks overlap and all this. He's like, look at this. Here's exactly how I mapped it out and here's what's going on. That is amazing. And it, it, and, it and it's also kind of like a, a sign of humility in a weird way. Like, Absolutely. like, right? Like, he's like, I'm not, like, you know, I'll, any other dude would be like, nah, I'll never tell. But like, he's like, oh yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't one session. I edited this together, I'll being front street here. In fact, here's exactly how it is, and here's where the tracks come in, and he mapped it out, which is like uh, unprecedented. Like, like no one did that before, and no one's ever done it since. It's really kind of wild. Yeah, one of the things he, it, it, I think it was in, in closer. He's talking about like a show he's doing where it's visual and uh, it's a combination of analog and digital. Where he's talking about like I'm basing the audience so they can see what I'm doing. I think he actually like, mentioned yeah. says, um, which is really neat. Like I honestly like if you were to say like that you know Richie Houghton was like doing a class on or doing like a master class on like DJing, I would I wouldn't be surprised because he seems he seems like someone who's like 
who obviously loves his his craft and is interested in in sharing that with people and you know and i think that's i think it's really neat uh, especially from you know from it's it's like i don't know it's especially from like artists who like you said like are oftentimes so secretive for them to yeah. be for him to be so open about um about his process is really really neat and it, it reminded me of like when i was younger and like watching uh like guitar videos uh and mm-hmm. guitars like yeah so i use this pedal at like this this level and i use this pedal and then i have my amp with this setting and then i play like this it's like oh wow you know and i think for a young for young djs or young aspiring djs to see those videos like there's a lot that goes into those into this you know absolutely but like seeing him seeing him do it it makes it i mean for me as someone who like has dabbled with like some synth electronica stuff seeing him do it i was just like i could do that you know <laughs> like <laughs> like it, well, it which is, yeah which which for for like some for like someone really interested in getting into it that's kind of like what you need you know yes yeah um you know you know you know i i, I learned how to dj by watching more than anything and like, uh, like, it's not, these things aren't always intuitive, you know, like uh, you get hand me a guitar. I won't know what to do with it, but uh, like, but if someone like takes the time and, and the humility to like show you, here's exactly what I'm doing. And that's, but that also like, it's, it, it, it's, it's uh, notable and I think noble, um, but it's also like, and, and a sign of humility, but also part of the piece. He's like, I want you to know how I did this. Yeah. Like, I, I've heard that Nitsa Red track, but like, it sounds different. He's like, well, yeah, because there's four other tracks on top of it. And here's exactly where they come in and come out. And here's what I did to the EQ. I dropped the bass on this one. I increased the highs on this one. And I put it in over right, just like that. And like, to tell people like, this is exactly what I'm doing. It's kind of... um well, it just feels kind of kind. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. It gets, this is someone who, like like I said, like, obviously is very good at what they do and yeah. has just obsessed over, over the process. Like you mentioned earlier, but he uses a foot, a foot pedal to DJ. A which foot is, pedal, dude? Which, <laughs> is, that, is that unheard of in, in the, in, as a DJ? Like, I don't know anyone else that doesn't. Yeah, this this guy's next level. Like, like uh, um, I know plenty of dudes, plenty of dudes like love their effects pads and stuff like that, and they love their flanger and they love their, you know, Allen and Heath mixers. These really fancy mixers with like cool effects and all that, and like double double knobbed uh, equalizers and stuff like that. This dude, <laughs> he's 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 creating something new out of off the dome, as we said before. Maybe that's the episode title. Um, like uh, this dude's kind of next level. Um, his alias is is Plastic Man. I played a uh, song by his moniker Plastic Man to a friend of mine earlier, and it's just it's just a snare drum roll. It's a 
for eight minutes. Because <laughs> he's making DJ tools. You're meant, like, he's making songs, songs. Like, he's making tracks that are, like, meant to go in and out of this mix so you can conduct the orchestra of the dance. Is Richie our first, like, true DJ? This is, is our true, this is our first true DJ mix, absolutely. Um, other, uh, all, all these guys DJ, um, oh. all of them do, but like, that's like, oh, isn't it cool? The chemical butters are playing records at the club. Fine. But like, I'd rather see them play a show proper. Right. Like I want to hear them rock out. Hey boy, Hey girl. And like lose my goddamn mind. I didn't necessarily need to hear like what they're into this week. <laughs> like, uh, but like this guy is a little more DJ forward. Um, I haven't met him, but I have bumped into him a few times. Yeah. Story number one. I'm at, I'm in Detroit. I used to, no, I, <laughs> I, I never lived in Detroit, but I lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I would go to, um, what is now called movement, but used to be called Detroit electronic music festival. Um, and it's the best music festival you could ever go to. If you're into techno, techno like this, like boom, cha, boom, cha, boom, cha, boom, cha. Did you hear that? Okay. That was intense. That was like, people are screaming outside. Was that outside of my place? Yo, that was crazy. Is everything all right over there? I think so. <laughs> that was wild. That was very close. Like, bah! okay. Where, where was it going? Oh, I uh, met Richie. I met Richie Hung. Okay. That's staying in. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like note at, at, at minute three hours and 28 minutes, Ellie gets struck by lightning and keeps going about <laughs> Richie Hung. <laughs> he's the he's an engineer man he's he's just like a he's a madman and it's an and and uh a perfectionist and probably severely ocd like but but isn't that kind of neat isn't that mm-hmm. who you want making your techno like someone with deeply <laughs> a deep obsessive compulsion disorder wow who would you rather make your make your fucking truck? Some guy with obsessive compulsive disorder, or me with like an anxiety disorder? I'm like, ah, <laughs> forget it. It doesn't. It doesn't need it. It doesn't need an airbag. It's fine. Just move. Go 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 go. <laughs> but meanwhile, Richie is like, no, this crew needs one more rotation to be secured onto the the bolt. It's insane. He's like, he's a mechanic. It's wild. So I don't have a favorite song. Uh, probably, but post- moments. The moments. Uh, I mean, the uh, the Ash quote from Evil Dead Two. Listeners, I've never been more like in love with Jake than today when I I knew he was listening to Dexy Effects in our night, and because I felt it, I just heard like <laughs> I just heard like booms, 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 and like in like in the distance, I was like, hey, there's like a movie sample in the middle of that, and. Uh, I think I said, like, if you if you figure out what it is, I'll give you a big old kiss on the lips. Uh, I said, no Googling. And then Jake just sent me a gif, like, 
that, that was like wasn't the sample, but it was like he knew. <laughs> and I was like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love this man so much. I can't wait to talk about boring techno with him for the rest of my life. <laughs> There's a sample from oh. Evil Dead in, in the middle, right in the fucking middle of uh, Dex and the Effects. It's like the turning point, because uh, it definitely does yeah. change. I, I, I like the, um, this, the, this, the last 30 minutes. It's an hour piece. I like the second half a, a little bit more. I felt it was a little bit more... Um, I don't know how to de describe it. It was more atmospheric, if that makes sense. Well, it kind of um, it, it kind of comes in for a landing at the like last ten minutes. He's like, okay, and then, but like but yeah. like and then but like right, I think it kind of peaks in the middle where he's like, like right when we get to the Evil Dead uh, sample, it's just like, bam, and then we get the Nitzarab tune. Um, are you familiar? No, I'm not familiar. The the only vocal track on the whole uh, uh, piece is is join in the chant. I, uh, listeners, I, uh, I I invited Jake to the to the Zoom call. And, you know it, the the auto auto fill thing is please join this. Thing. I said please join in the chant. And join 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 in the chant is a Nitzareb song that appears in this mix, and it's like the only vocal tune in the entire yeah. fucking thing. And it, it's like this, like very German, like industrial goth band, uh, and uh, like I don't know. I have, I it. have it. <laughs> the, that, that's where it was sampled off of. Yeah, well, it's like that's he plays. Join in the chant. Right. That that leads that leads up to Ashes. Um, yeah. Quote, and then from there, it, it what's what's the, what's the quote? What's the quote? It feels it's like, like something. something trying to break into our world or boom it goes it goes yes. whoops, 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 backwards every he like reverses the record whoops, 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 whoops. fantastic we've crossed the threshold now sunny has entered this world it's us it's the listeners we've entered this world now and we're gonna dance all night it's uh, it's bonkeroonies no it, it it was wonderful it was like i said like i'm i'm glad i went into this with the Mimo's ear and yes. having done the homework. Uh, yes, I've, I've trained you well, I think. To reference Daft Punk. Um, uh, no, because I, I was able to appreciate what was going on here and what he was doing, and the video certainly adds to that appreciation. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, like I, I would have enjoyed it as something, it's just like a, like a straight-up dance track to... To, to move to and to to you know to dance to, but looking at it from like an like an art artistic point of view, I, I walked away with a lot more. Um, and no, I, I this was it was a staggering piece of work, and really? I feel oh absolutely, and I, 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 I feel better for having listened to it. Wow, really? Oh wow, that's high praise. Okay. Um, I, I knew this one would be like a challenge on because it's like kind of. It's kind of an endurance battle, like, like, and especially if you're not a big fan of this stuff, and if you're not like, oh, I know that cymbal sound, that's cool. Oh, he's pitching it down now, that's awesome. Like, if you don't, like, if you're not listening for the nuance, it's so nuanced, like, so little, so like, beep, boop, 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 like, things, like, 
it might it might just it might just sound like bang 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 all day for an hour, which yeah. can become maddening. But if you if you listen to it, sit with it, feel it, like and and like I don't want to say it. Whatever, I'll say it. This is like intelligent techno. It's like oh okay. It's like oh, who's <laughs> trying to make a point here? Like like all right. But like, <laughs> this is fine art, you know. It's it's like like I said, it's red wine and ketamine. It's it's a, uh, uh, but if you're into it, and you're on the dance floor, this shit's bonkerinics. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for recommending this one, and thanks for trusting me to to tackle a, a mix. Oh, I don't trust <laughs> it even more than you, bud. I swear oh. to God. I knew I knew I knew you would give it the mimosa ear. And I know you'd be honest about it. You don't have to love it or anything, but if you can appreciate it, then that, that's what we're doing. So absolutely, like, um, like I said, like knowing knowing what went into this, a lot of respect, a lot of a lot of respect. So cool. So what what do you, what do you got for me next week? Oh boy, can you go first again? I always like it yeah. when you go first. All right, so. I realized last year, uh, 2021, uh, we missed a, a golden opportunity to do a 30th anniversary of, uh, of arguably the uh, seminal uh, 90s rock album that's Nirvana's Nevermind. Are you going to do it? Well, not exactly. Um, <gasps> oh, a twist. But- 1992, because I, I feel like with Nirvana, I I have to be in like the right headspace, um, and so we'll tackle Nir- we'll, we'll we'll get to Nirvana. Don't worry, we'll we're gonna get to Nirvana. Um, <laughs> but um, another so album, cool. another album from another Im- highly influential um, seattle band is turning 30 this year actually it's turning 30 this month uh so and they're one of my faves and i actually listened to this album recently and my word is it a powerful dark piece of work and i'm so excited to listen to it for the show and dissect it uh, I think we're gonna go. I think we might just go like kind of like psychedelic grunge rock for the rest of the uh, season three for the rest of oh, season. Oh wow! Oh, don't spoil anything, but okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, next week we're gonna talk about 1992's "Dirt" by Alice in Chains. Oh, heavens above! If you're not familiar with the, with this one, uh, this one has classics like Them Bones. It has Down in a Hole, uh, Wood, Angry Chair, and uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, Rooster. It's a dark, heavy album. Uh, some, it's some consider it heavy metal and more heavy metal than grunge. Uh, we will dive into that on the episode. I'm, uh, I know, um, but I'm really, really excited to get some Alice in Chains on, on the show. So I'm excited to dive into this one with you. I, 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 I promise I didn't prepare anything. You know what? Yeah. 
Okay. Who we got? In 1998, a man named Norman Cook put out an album and it blew the fucking lid off the fucking room. Did you know it? Did you you know it? You've come a long way, baby. What? (laughs) Here we go. Let's do it right now. I swear to Christ. Let's do it right now. You've come a long way, baby. Fucking forget it. Right here, right now. Rockefeller Skank, praise you. Uh, every single song was featured in a like a movie or a commercial about a truck. <laughs> um, we're gonna do it. You've come a long way, baby. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like we'll, we'll we'll get there, but it's kind of almost like a predecessor to Moby's play. You know, kind of like <laughs> which I'm still like just like teasing out like there. It's there. it's we're going to talk about it because we have to. But like, uh, I'm, I'm uh, what's it called? Edging. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very excited to to dive into this one and to just talk about the album art artwork because it's kind of like where I want to live. <laughs> Wait, okay, well, well, we'll get into that one. Interesting. Oh, oh, because the the albums, it's all the vinyl. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, man. Well, I can't wait for that one. So next time we've got Allison Chain's Dirt. Uh, and uh, an album I'm really looking forward to for multiple reasons that I will share. Uh, uh, we have Fat Boy Slim, come a long way, baby. You've um, come a long way, baby. So, but Elliot, th- this was a blast. Thank you for bringing Richie Houghton into my life. Um, sure. And I'm glad you enjoyed The Offspring, man. I did enjoy The Offspring. It felt good. It felt cathartic, even. I like to listen to it, like, yeah. Um, Jake, uh, thank you so much for your time. And listeners, well, I think we both just want to say, hey, stay sipping, y'all. Stay sipping, (laughs) y'all. I'll catch you next time. All right, easy, bud. Later, dude.